Would you like to live a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Cultures from all over our planet have been addressing that concern for thousands of years, and their answers can help you in your life today. Welcome to The Sweet Spot, where healing, spirituality, and culture meet. Join anthropologist and healer Robert Better as he introduces you to healing and spirituality in world cultures. Here's the host of your show, Robert Better. Hi, folks. It's Bob Vetter here. Before the podcast starts, I wanted to offer you something for free available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. It's a download of a game and map of the healer's journey called Sustos, named after the traumatic events that can lead to soul loss. The game provides insights in how we ourselves can be healed and how that process empowers us in our healing efforts with others. Get your free download at www.bobvetter.com. Now, let's get to our latest podcast episode. Greetings, listeners. I'm here today with Lori Rising. Lori is the founder of the Raw and Wild Hearts podcast, Awakening Your Life Force Retreats, and Beginning Within Therapy. She's been in therapeutic practice since 2001, offering support and guidance in cellular trauma and embodiment, soul-activating hypnotherapy, new and full moon gatherings, energy work, intuitive messages, epigenetics, and destroying the programmed culture of fear. She lives in and works with our elemental nature, the astral support system, body consciousness, cellular wisdom, knowledge, and the divinity within that is your birthright. You can find her under the magic of the sun and moon, living in and with nature, stoking your passion over Instagram, riding waves of the ocean, or the peace of lakes, working on her converted van home, and learning from her special needs animal sidekick every single day. So Lori Rising, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. I'm so excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Well, it's a pleasure. So this is a, a lot of stuff here that you dropped on us. Uh, so <laughs> can you take us through a little bit of your own personal journey that led you to some of the topics that you described here? Sure. Uh, can you believe that's a condensed version of my bio? Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I just feel like I have been an accumulation of my experience here, at, at, definitely in this lifetime, but four lifetimes. And um, I came in just knowing of the divinity of humans. So even being a kid in this linear culture, it never made sense to me. And it, it felt really, I'm sure you've heard this before, but like, I didn't fit in, I didn't belong. Like there was something inside of me that wasn't matching up with what was outside of me. And I had no examples of the things that really lit my soul on fire, you know, when I was a child. So I really just retreated to nature and I was blessed to have a family that kept us very active. And, um, I'm pretty much a water baby and water is such a healing element. So just the fact that I grew up in water, I feel like has made a profound effect on me and who I've become, um, you know, holistically, not just career wise. So for me, the way that I share my work with the world is the way that I move through the world. I could never make sense of diving into a career that didn't reflect what I was actually 
um, experiencing in life. And um, yeah, so I just, I love experience and I love learning and I just kept going and <laughs> kept adding more and more to my repertoire. So let's talk about water for a moment because you you did mention that as as being really um, Im- not only important but there was sort of the implication that it, it was like a um, a pivotal a pivotal element in your life. So what exactly do you mean about being a water baby and how did that lead to this change in your life? Yeah, I mean I think I water has always been such a healing cocoon for me. And, um, I've definitely lived a life of a wounded healer. I've been a healer for lifetimes. And, um, I think having that constant element of water, which came, um, from when I was a child, my parents raised us in water and then it just continued through every part of my life. And now I'm a surfer and my retreats include surf lessons. And so I think that as humans, we go through wounding, we go through trauma. There's no way to avoid it. And um, I love realizing that when we embrace the shadow and the dark and the wounds and the triggers, that's when we have the most soul growth. But it's really in the elements that we surround ourselves during that time that we deepen the kind of soul growth that we can experience. And our nature is elemental. We are the elements. And I think that that gets really lost in translation in the linear culture. And so when we actually, you know, feel ourselves in the tides and movements of the earth and um, the water, it brings us back to our truth. Um, which is that we are magic and we're beautiful and we're whole and love no matter what uh, we're going through in our experience and communities and cultures, you know, whether it's intergenerational trauma or, you know, trauma that comes from our environment or our experience, you know, it's so nice to have that connecting healing practice. And I think that that's always been mine, which is why now it comes out in what I share with the world, especially in my retreats. It's, it's part of my evolution. So let's, let's back up to the, the theme of the wounded healer. I mean, that's something that, that I go to and return to very often in the podcasts. My website is all about it. So some of, you know, some of the listeners are already going to be aware of some of the language of the wounded healer. Um, can you tell us a little bit about it from your perspective? Well, I I think that when I truly believe that we all come in in different frequencies, we all have different soul purposes coming in, and we take a body at that time. We make a choice, you know, in our star being in our in our essence to go through the experiences that we're going to go through and share what we can. And so, you know, I know that throughout my lifetimes, I have taken, I've definitely taken the hard route of being wounded and basically taking on that kind of life where the shadow comes up so often that I, the only thing that you can do is search out, um, you know, 
healing avenues and um, various modalities that can bring you back to your center and place of love. And so I think that's why I've always been drawn towards some kind of healthcare so that I can share the personal evolution that I've gone through in ways that I can share, you know, in a professional way. And so that's where the evolution has constantly come in, you know, going from uh, being a certified uh, nurse's assistant to being an EMT to being a trauma-informed body worker, like every level brought me deeper into understanding the wounding. And it never means that the wounding stopped. (laughs) I mean, believe me, I just went through some three days ago. (laughs) So it's really having a practice that you can share with the world when you get hit over and over with life circumstances, with just the whole uh, place of being a human. So, I mean, I'm not sure whether this is something that you're comfortable with, but um, it's always easier to understand that concept in a story. So can you either share one from your own experience or somebody who you've worked with where something that was a trauma that was expressed through a particular event or series of events then becomes this seed not only of healing but of, of the work that a person does? Oh, absolutely. Um, You know, I've had a trauma for the last 15 years, 15 years ago, my daughter was stillborn. And um, successively after that, I had wounding and grief after wounding and grief, because I eventually left my marriage because of the grief and the pain. I had two other children um, that I lost through miscarriage after that. Um, But really, my daughter's stillbirth changed me. It changed everything about my soul essence, physical body. Um, and I went into a very, very deep, and now I can say beautiful place of trauma for so many years. And the only way that I could actually bring myself out of that trauma, it was either death, leaving this human body to be with her or fighting as hard as I possibly could to find that love and joy within me again, to be a human. And I chose fighting and staying here in this world so that I could share both of our messages and what we had been through. And so um, I fought and the way that I fought, people can't believe this, but I actually, I wasn't even able to hold a baby. I wasn't able to be around my friends who had babies. It was, I was angry, I was hateful. I couldn't stand the world, you know, I saw injustice everywhere. um, And I, quite honestly, I had went into an extreme state of victim mentality, but it was very holistically what what happened. Um, And so I chose to dive in headfirst into working with fertility and babies and helping people get pregnant who had been through similar experiences as myself who had, you know, lost babies and been in such deep grief and going through the evolution of, um, you know, a physical change in their bodies, um, from the entire experience. And so I really worked and that's where I work so much with trauma informed body work. And then I became a hypnotherapist so that I could really address 
the mental component because we have created a culture that's so linear and so mental that we've separated the mental from the essence and most of the time from the physical body, our body consciousness. So I was really working to merge those two. And I, I, I don't know how, but I'm a baby whisperer. You know, I worked with newborn babies doing craniosacral therapy and intuitive therapy to help them sleep, to help them have bowel movements, to help them breastfeed and support, um, you know, shifts in their physiological system to help them basically move a little quicker into being in the world. And, um, it still would baffle me constantly. And so I did that for years until I finally was able to be in this world as a healthy, balanced person while not having my biological daughter or any of my, or my children or my husband. And I still don't have any biological children. So I had to go through the grief of not even being able to have a biological child after all of that. So let's let's just back up a little bit in the story because the the time the time that I want to explore is when you had that choice. You described two choices. One is death, in other words, to just give up and join, mm-hmm. as you said, join your daughter. And the other one was to to uh, focus all of your attention on on finding. I'm reading between the lines, re- finding meaning through the actions that you do. So can you take us back to that, that pivotal moment and, you know, kind of describe the aha, the, the, what led you to put your effort into this world as opposed to just giving up? It's a little bit twofold. Um, as you were, I was feeling into it as you were talking and the, and the first part, and this, this literally probably was the biggest reason that's that saved my life was that I had tried to commit suicide when I was 17 because I didn't understand how to be in a fear culture, linear world as such a spiritual and embodied person. Um, And I remember waking up with my parents looking at me and making the decision to never do that again, like seeing the hurt in their eyes. And um, so I think that that, pact that I made with myself at 17 years old probably played a pretty good part in keeping me alive through those devastating years of grief. And when I say devastating, I cried for probably five to seven years every day. And um, it burnt my adrenals out because of it. So then my physical health tanked, you know, it was an entire cyclical process, all the while still offering healing to people. Um, And I think the other aspect that kept me alive is my daughter. We were in constant communication. When you are in an extreme and sudden state of grief, what I know now is that it's a transcendent place as if it's, see, I teach childbirth classes and I have such a reverence for death at this point because in those two transitions, we touch this beautiful realm where our essence comes from, you know, the universal source, energy, God, whatever you want to call it. And we're able to touch it in such a profound way during those transitions. And, you know, with her death, I was in that place with her. And I I truly believe that she kept me here to do our job together. And I now know that we made a pact in our 
star form, you know, before we decided to take human form that she, I was going to be the mom who stayed and she was going to be the daughter who left in order to make big change and affect this world in such a profound way through our love and our pain and, and our devastation, but ultimately through our beautifully deep and wild love. I actually just posted about this. I want to, I want to mention this because I think it's really important because we're raised in a culture that's so focused on fear. We fear death more than probably we fear anything. And had I been raised in a culture that revered death, that celebrated death and celebrated life, I may have been able to shift shift that healing for myself so much earlier and understood the profound relationship that I got to engage in that a lot of other people will never experience. My daughter and I have such a beautiful relationship and I get to communicate (laughs) with the spirit realm in such a, a grand way that a lot of people might never even experience that. And that's not celebrated in our culture. And imagine if that was celebrated. Imagine if, if the grief had transmuted and transformed so quickly that I could have actually taken that message out so much sooner instead of went into such a deep depression and grief state for so many years. That's what I want to change. That's why I want to change the world. That's why I call myself a fear culture destroyer, because it breaks my heart that we are, we've created this space for humans to be frankly, miserable. I, I think back to the, to my experiences in Oaxaca, Mexico for Day of the Dead. Um, you know, one of the things that I've done over recent years up until COVID was to um, operate a tour that, that goes down into Mexico for the sake of studying traditional medicine, including the Day of the Dead celebration down there. And to to be in a culture where death is celebrated in the sense that it doesn't represent the end, that yes. there is that this this veil that separates the two worlds and knowing that that there is a time and a space to lift that veil to allow us to communicate back and forth for our, our ancestors, our, our relatives to come back and join us for a party. I mean, it's a... It, it really changes the way that you look at, at life and death. And I think it's arguable that if you deny death, you also deny life. Mm. That's certainly the downfall of, of our, our culture, in, in my opinion. Yeah, you miss out on so much of the present moment. I mean, that's why I have such a great fascination with the Viking culture because of Valhalla. They lived in the moment and they lived well because they believed Valhalla was so much more um, special than being human. Like this was just the transition to get to where they were really going. Right. Can you imagine? What a beautiful way to live. It is a beautiful way to live. Um, I want to just pick up on one more piece of this, this equation. Now, in your story, you you describe both despair and spirituality as kind of linked up. And the, the, the reason that I'm going back to this several times is because there's an irony in it. 
the irony in it is lies in the fact that usually we think of spirituality as a kind of a pie in the sky mm-hmm. that if you are a spiritual person that you're kind of you're expected to be blissed out mm-hmm. yet in your story and in the way that we're communicating this wounded healer archetype and the way that it plays out in the world we're putting despair and spirituality we're linking them up we're putting them side by side and i'm i'm curious to hear how you make sense of that absolutely i mean one of my taglines is embrace the dark and stumble upon the light you know we have to go like when we can truly embrace all of our humanity and we get hoodwinked by this thought that like there's some bliss out there if you make enough money if you have the right house you're going to be you know the happiest you could ever be it's it's ridiculous like why don't we talk about how nor we normalize the fluctuations of of being a human if we look at the weather the weather can never imagine how boring it would be if the weather stayed 70 degrees and sunny you know every single day for the rest of our lives that's not possible so why are we aspiring to be these humans that stay 70 degrees for the rest of our lives if we really uh, celebrate the the depths of our emotional well and celebrate the fact that we have those emotions for a reason then we actually allow them to move through us instead of get them stuck within us. Because when we feel um, fear around those emotional wells, we take that into our cells, which we have cellular, um, emotional cellular memory, and then we tighten it down. You know, the more tense we get and and the more we jump on that hamster wheel, we tighten down and tighten down all of those beautiful emotions that could be free flowing through us. So just like the planets move, we move constantly. And if we grew up learning that you will go through shadow, but it will never, we have this fear that we're going to stay in shadow forever. Right. And we can actually keep ourselves there because we, the psychophysical association, we can manifest what we believe so deeply, you know, the messages that are coming in. And so I think if we really, we're doing people such an injustice from a young age to not celebrate, you know, the, the bad days. Like we want our four-year-old kid to not have any bad days. We have bad days all the time as adults. It's amazing to me that we're like yelling at these children because they're having a bad day. And so I, yeah, it's really in, in embracing when we embrace the deep, well of emotion when we embrace the fluctuations of being human when we truly understand that we are going to fluctuate we are going to go into shadow we are going to go into light then we become adaptable we become flexible and we move through the tides with life so that is a perfect time to ask you what can you share with our our listeners how can the listener come to experience some of this firsthand? You know, I've got to say the one thing that I'm really grateful that I've, I've always loved in my life is when someone can take me out of my box, because I know that there's always a box being constructed. I'm a hypnotherapist. I know what happens with the programming and messages that were constantly taken in. So when someone can take me out of my box, it's like that moment. It's like, Oh, wait, let's, let's look at that programming. Realize that we are here to change. 
we take on such a persona that this is who I am. I'm not going to change. You know, it's the same thing with, I, I'll just say it as an example, smoking, you know, when you realize the things that you can have on the other side of smoking, it's so much easier. Like it's easeful to change that behavior because it is not you. It's a behavior that you're engaging in. And we are constantly adapt. We are here to be adaptable. And I think COVID has been one of the biggest catalysts in maybe all of our lives to actually help remind us of what humans are meant here, are here and meant to be in our divinity, in our magic, in our adaptability, in our flexibility, in our communities and in our collective. So I, I, I guess I would end by saying three of my favorite words now are curiosity, adaptability, and flexibility. And how do we do that? In other words, what's, if this is a muscle that we need to develop what's Mm -hmm. an example of a way to try this out i mean i'll be honest i love i call them higher consciousness practices i've done a talk on it so the more that we can actually we have we do practices every day but usually those practices take us to a place of stress and negativity they're just they've become automatic so when you do intentional practices and you practice with them that's how we shift our trajectory. That's how we shift our alignment. That's how we can actually change the way that we operate within the world, where we can literally operate from a balanced energy of feminine, divine feminine, sacred masculine. And that's when we come from a place of unconditional love, even amidst the chaos around us. Right. And so some of my favorite practices, breath work, breath is life force. So the more that we get in touch with our life force, which is a holistic part of our entire experience, our physicality, our spirituality, our mental, emotional well-being, your breath can take you into places that you would never go in each one of those separate facets. Does that make sense? So. That's where, you know, I I love being a ritual facilitator because when we do intentional rituals, no matter what they are, you know, even just getting up in the morning, even just turning your Wi-Fi off when you go to sleep at night so that you actually go into a deeper state of healing sleep. um, That's a ritual that's intentional and you are signaling to source energy that I am ready to shift. I am here to change. I am here to experience this human body in a way that brings joy in life, no matter what the fluctuations are. And that is a perfect note to uh, come close to our, our conclusion. So Lori, how can our listeners learn more about you and what you do? Yeah. So my moniker is the raw and wild hearts because that's been my experience here in this human form. It's been absolutely raw and wild. And I I believe that includes the light, the dark, the shadow, you know, all of it. Um, So I'm at the raw and wild hearts.com. My Instagram is the raw and wild hearts. My podcast is the raw and wild hearts. My email is the raw and wild hearts at Gmail. (laughs) And you you are a raw and wild heart. 
<laughs> I certainly am. And I'm celebrating it um, absolutely at this point in my life. Wonderful. So Lori Rising, such a pleasure to spend a little bit of time with you. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much, Bob. It's been wonderful to be here and to have this exchange. And thank you everyone for listening. I hope you enjoyed this podcast episode. Before you go, I wanted to remind you of free healing resources available on my website, www.bobvetter.com. This has been Healing and Spirituality in World Cultures with Robert Vetter. Thanks for listening. Please rate, subscribe, and share with everyone you know who might benefit from these messages. Until next time, remember, be kind and loving to yourself and others. Together, we can heal ourselves and help build a better world.